0: And they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Impact Show. I am your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. And today we're going to look at why a focus on community is what extends culture and remote organizations to the edges of the enterprise. Driving this conversation, we have Amanda Kelleher, who's joining us. She's the chief people officer at Consensus, one of the largest and fastest growing companies in the blockchain technology space. She's a well-rounded business leader with a 25-year career in the technology space. She's been the driving force behind the human element at Consensus, where she's responsible for building and maintaining the company's culture and harnessing human capital as a key business driver. Prior to joining Consensus, Amanda served As the head of people at ThoughtWorks, where she led the global scale expansion by opening offices around the world, recruiting a diverse workforce. She served as the executive VP of people and culture of Index Exchange and as the VP of people at Little Bits and Intent Media, where she excelled at designing effective strategies to attract and retain world-class talent. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Before we dive into the big things that we're going to talk about, and we're going to have a community-focused conversation, I'd like you to fill in any of the gaps that you feel is important for the listeners to know so that they have some
1: context in terms of the lens that you're going to be bringing into this conversation. Actually, the companies that you listed, there's a common theme there that everyone will notice, which is that they were all technology companies. So I have spent my entire career working in technology companies and I think that was very intentional on my part, behalf because I really thought that matching like the progressive nature of technology was going to be the same in terms of thinking about talent how we attract talent and how we bring talent in and so I think just as a quick summary I think it's always like really important as an HR professional to be thinking about What are you really motivated about and making sure that the industries and the spaces that you're working in are really matched with that?
0: So It's interesting that you mentioned your career trajectory in tech. I think one of the things, having spent a fair amount of time in tech, that I've noticed Mm -hmm. is that it tends to be pretty one-note or pretty lacking in diversity, at least from a U.S. perspective. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to understand how your global perspective helped inform your people strategy from a diversity perspective across these tech companies?
1: I think that the diversity element across the board of all aspects of diversity has always been fairly prevalent in the tech space. I think it's also made the tech space being pretty progressive in some of the programs that they have done in order to move the needle around those. I think from a global perspective, you do see a difference if we just think, look at diversity through the lens of gender. In terms of technical roles, you will see regions uh, in the world where actually it's very good. And what we learned through that, or at least what I observed, was a lot of it starts at a young age in terms of how tech is positioned in the family home, for example, how it's supported in terms of the studies. And so I think that a lot of the efforts of the companies. And continuing to do so today and working in collaboration around raising awareness and understanding of the space so that it can draw more diversity in at the education level uh, is what really is going to make a difference. And then I think that you have to match your programs internally to be able to support that
0: really good context that I appreciate you sharing.
1: Let's talk about
0: what you've been up to at Consensus. Mm. So when you think about the things that you're most proud of in your current role, share with us a little bit about what that looks like.
1: Great question. And I think that I could answer it both from the perspective of most proud of in my current role, but also probably in my career. I have always chased after the most progressive kind of like industries and spaces. And I think my um, entry into kind of like Web3 and blockchain has definitely brought that to light again. The thing that really excites me most is the remote aspect and the importance of building communities you know, eight 800 people across 40 plus countries, all remote. And I think that's brought in a challenge in terms of my role uh, and what I'm doing now that's unlike anything I've done before, but also allows me to draw on on my previous experience as well. You're pretty quickly
0: approaching your three-year anniversary there. When you think about uncharted territory and moonshots that you still have left to take, what are the things that you're eyeballing over the next 12 to 18 months that are really big wins that you're shooting for?
1: The, the Web3 space in itself is we're seeing innovation like across the board and, and that's no different from the HR kind of like space and we need to keep pace with what's happening. I think some of the most exciting developments will be happening around continuing to understand like what remote workforce and um, e-sync working is going to mean and continuing to evolve around that. And I think also just in terms of where people work, how we pay them for working and what sort of connects them is going to be really exciting. So I I see big uh, innovation, let's just say, around kind of total rewards and compensation, I think will be really interesting space to watch over the next 18 months to three years in our space.
0: One of the other things that I'm curious about, especially when you've talked about innovation And there's a certain amount of pacing that is associated with innovative cultures. If you're emphasizing innovation, if you're emphasizing pace, but in a remote environment, how has that influenced your people strategy and how you identify, hire, and develop talent?
1: Things move very fast in our space. I think that first and foremost, what I'm looking for, no matter what company I'm I'm working at, to be honest with you, is I'm looking that. An individual really understands the business and understands the space. They don't need to be an expert, but they need to be able to demonstrate that it is something that is actually really connected for them and that they want to work in. I think that it's really hard to work in any company or space if you don't have that sort of connection to what you're doing. So I'm looking for kind of people that are aligned with our core values, are aligned with the mission and vision of the company uh, and have good experience to like back up in their role.
0: I really like how you called up the alignment between mission vision and also the business purpose because one of the common complaints that we often see or in our conversations it comes up is that people at the line level and even some at the manager level have difficulty connecting the dots between the work and the big picture of what you're trying to accomplish and if you take the time like what you've just described making sure that people that you bring into the organization are deeply aligned to that you might be setting yourself up for success in terms of eliminating that problem. I opened the show and you've actually mentioned it a couple of times, this idea of community and also how you execute community in a remote workplace. How is that related to that career game changer that really helped you build high performance teams?
1: I don't know that this necessarily is exclusive to remote companies, but I think it really brought it into the forefront for me being in a fully remote company is that you need to have complete alignment with what you state as being your values and your actions. I I always say this, that if you're feeling pain points anywhere in, in the company, the first thing you should go and look at, is there any gap between what you're saying you want to do as a company, what you value as a company and what? the actions, but not just the actions, how you're also rewarding those actions. The greater the disconnect that you have between them is generally where you're going to see the greatest pain points from like a human level in the organization. And I think even more so in a remote company where you don't have the water cooler conversations, you don't have people having that more organic observation of behaviors. You're just seeing little kind of like square screen icon of a person on a, a conference is really important to continue to reiterate over and over again, your core values, what does good look like and making sure that everything that you reward and acknowledge through all of your programs is completely connected to those values. So I really like that answer. It's pretty clear
0: the impact of aligning yourself to a North Star And having that frame, what you reward, what you recognize, what your actions are. So I understand the what behind what you're saying. I think one of the areas where it would be really helpful, especially from your perspective as a leader in a completely remote organization, how do you actually build the capacity to do that? What are the things that need to happen at all levels of the organization? to build that constant discipline around aligning things with the organizational North Star and what's expected.
1: Yeah. Communicate, communicate, communicate. I think you also have to have really strong frameworks and mechanisms in place that allow you to do that. So starting at like the company level, having an operating framework, we use OKRs, being really disciplined around that, making sure that you have a wide variety of kind of communication channels. So we use town halls, we use open forums, we do team meetings one-on-one. So scaling all of the way down, making sure you have the tools in place that people can communicate. Slack is a very big kind of like communication tool for us. We just launched uh, a brand new intranet. So really being obsessive around those communication channels, but the big thing that I always emphasize is. Be really mindful of the balance of your communication. Often, I think, and particularly in remote companies, you can really easily go into the push communications. You're just pushing out like a lot of content. You need to validate that's actually connecting and that people are understanding that. So you've got to have mechanisms in place for pull communication, having, you know, different kinds of like workshops or ways that you can do that. Find ways that you can connect with people when there's in-life events. We're just trialing pop-up offices. We do conferences. We look to send people there, even if they're not presenting, just to be able to have some connection in real life. But the main thing is, is be really disciplined around your operating framework and making sure that you're thinking about all of those different communication channels that both allow for pull and push communication.
0: Wow, it's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community, get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. And now back to the show. I really like your emphasis on creating balance between push and pull communication. I'm thinking about the environment that you're in. You're a people (laughs) leader based out of New York, and you Mm -hmm. have a global organization with all sorts of different business units, and you're trying to strike a balance between push-pull. And I would imagine that you probably have a matrixed organization where somebody in Asia might be reporting to somebody in the U.S. Maybe not, but anyways. Where I'm going with that is, what were the things that you did that ensured that leaders weren't going overboard with the volume of push messaging so that whatever messaging is going out is impactful? Tell us a little bit about the steps that you took there to make sure that balance was created.
1: First and foremost, everything starts with intention. I often find having worked in lots of different companies and also coaching different co-founders and things like that that when I start to talk about this topic, it's not necessarily something that they've even thought about. So there is something around raising the awareness of that and being really intentional and thoughtful, which allows you then to have a look at the mechanisms that you're using. I think you then have to cascade through the organizations, meaning what are the tools that we're using? So we have town halls, which are really designed at pushing out a lot of information, but we have a and a at the end. We found that wasn't enough. So we have separated out and have a completely separate ask me anything town hall type forum that is exclusively for asking questions and doesn't have any content. That's So we're looking for that balance. Your engagement surveys, we do them twice a year. We're being super transparent about the results and getting them out to people and following up on, on action items. So then you just take it down. From an HR perspective, what I have found as being really critically important component of an HR team is your We call them people partners, so your HR business partners. They are super important. And thinking about the ratio. So you don't want to overload your people partners. So be really thoughtful in the ratio of one people partner to, I always say 75, 75 to 100 people. Because their role really is to work more at that kind of manager team level, making sure, are we doing one-on-ones? Are there team meetings happening? Are there mechanisms for raising of questions, et cetera? So you're really looking holistically at the whole organization and looking at all of those different channels and looking for that balance. The one thing that I really like that you called
0: out is the role of the HR business partner in providing a little bit of accountability. Mechanism when it comes to one-on-ones, when it comes to communication channels, when it comes to actions, because and this is important because oftentimes managers of the business want to push all of that stuff back into the laps of HR, and that's not a sustainable model. So if you have HR business partners and you're facing an organization that has challenges in terms of doing one-on-ones on a regular basis, holding people accountable having that check and balance is important in terms of the execution. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Let's take a look at what we opened the conversation with. And that was this idea of building culture in remote organizations. We talked about how communication aligning with the North Star of the organization, all of that is gonna be important in setting the tone. If a leader listening to this conversation wants to start, what are the major pitfalls of moving down this path that they have to be aware of and guard against? What were the things that you experienced and how did you get around those challenges when you started building this sort of culture?
1: Going back to what I was saying earlier in terms of a lot of diagnosis can happen when you're seeing any kind of like gap between what you're stating your values are and then what the actions are and how you're rewarding them. You can take that same principle in anything that you're doing. If when you're bringing talent into the organization, for example, you've got to be really fully transparent around what your organization is. And particularly with a remote culture, it's really making sure that is this an environment that the individual is going to be comfortable with? I think most people are accustomed to it now, having been through what we've been through over the last couple of years, but it's not like for everybody. I always use this analogy is that anything that we're doing in life, we're pretty much reading the social contract around what that engagement is. So whether you're joining a sporting club or you're participating in some kind of meetup, they're advertising exactly what sort of like the expectations are around that. What are the sort of it's a social contract that you're getting into? And you as an individual are making a choice to to go and do that. Now what I've found in the past is if you're not being really fully transparent about who you are, how you work, those kind of things, giving all the information to the individual to make their own choice around whether that's a good fit for them, you're going to start to see problems once they come in because there's going to be a disconnect in what they thought that they was like coming to. So it's really important to always be looking at that gap between what you're saying and that's even in a one-on-one or a manager with a team. What you're saying and then what the actual actions and behaviors are around that. I really like what you
0: said about embedding this, even in the talent attraction phase at the interview stages. I'm wondering, a lot of hiring managers might shudder at the implication there. Um, The implication is you should be transparent from the beginning of that interaction with a potential candidate that you're bringing in-house. How can you strike that balance between being as transparent as necessary and still selling the organization? What are the things that you've seen that work really well in that talent attraction phase of the employee life cycle?
1: I have a lot of faith in hiring managers, so I think that most hiring managers are wanting to hire the very best person for the role. And that has to be holistic. So there can be a tendency to think that the best is just having the very specific kind of skills and capabilities. So great kind of like software engineer, but you have to think about that holistically in terms of whether this is going to be like a, a place that that feels very aligned for that individual, the working styles, all of those kind of things. So I think this is also too where the people partners can help a lot. I don't see that talent acquisition is just uh, exclusively to a talent acquisition team I am I, I have an alignment team where I have all of the kind of leads of each of those groups as one leadership team when we work together we take ownership around the programs that we're doing um, in pT so I think the more that you can work in collaboration the more that you can educate the hiring managers on the importance of a good hire is holistic looking at all like aspects is a good thing for everybody. It's good for the candidate because they're gonna make the very best decision possible for themselves. And they're gonna be happy and engaged and, it, and it's good for the company as well. When I think about your answer and tie it back
0: to the overall theme of this conversation, which is building community and culture at the edges of the enterprise, it's I think being transparent from a hiring manager perspective that actually accelerates that capability let's bring this full circle
1: Mm -hmm. so we opened
0: the conversation talking about the value of community in remote environments and expanding culture we talked about some of the things that you need to be doing and what those things are and why they're important now let's build out how do you actually do this how do you build community successfully in a primarily
1: remote environment i think in a lot of ways i've already hinted at these but we'll pull it together for everybody It really starts at making sure that you have a crystal clear, commonly understood mission and vision and purpose, and that you are transparently communicating that out. That's going to mean that you're going to be authentically hiring the right folks into your organization. Those folks are going to come in. They're going to feel engaged. Once in terms of the individuals that are in your company make sure you're being really obsessive around your communication strategy. Uh, I actually have internal comms sitting in my people and talent team because it's so such a critical part of making sure that we're connecting with people. Make sure you're using the tools and the resources that are allowing for uh, this kind of like connection happening also to looking for different kind of creative opportunities As i said before we're looking at pop up offices we leverage a lot conferences to provide opportunities for people to have some in, in real life uh, experiences i think the other one which is really interesting about a completely global remote company is async working and if you're thinking about being remote you have elements of remote it is the one aspect that i think a lot of companies don't really think about and clearly communicate when you have got a company like ours across 40 countries you're essentially a 24-7 engine there are people working within normal working hours all around the globe at, at all times and so you have to be really clear around what that means so that you don't have instances where people feel as though they should be working or responding immediately to emails, et cetera. And so again, that comes down to the communication. Amanda, this conversation has flown
0: by. I think we packed in a lot of valuable insights and especially when for those leaders who are in remote or hybrid organizations who right. really care about culture, I think this is going to be a really meaningful conversation. So if anybody that's listening wants to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: Twitter would be great. My Twitter handle is uh, A. Kellehurst and my initial of my first name and my family name. And feel free to you know drop me a, a message and I'd be happy to chat more.
0: I appreciate you hanging out with us and sharing your input. There's a lot of interesting concepts that you talked about, but the one thing that stands out to me is the whole theme that we've embedded in this conversation is that If you want to build a community, you need to have deep alignment between what your stated values and mission are and your actual behaviors. If those things are misaligned, you'll never build a cohesive culture across the organization. And it sounds pretty simple in terms of concept, but the amount of communication that you have to do and the discipline that you have to have around the communication is where it really makes an impact. So those are the things that I would call out for those who have listened to put it into place if you're trying to execute at the level that Amanda has throughout her career. So Amanda, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, for those of you who have listened to the conversation, leave us a review. Let us know what you thought of the discussion and then tune in next time where we'll bring on another great leader sharing with us their game-changing realizations that helped them build a high performance team.